on, everybody? It is the Tricky Takes gang back here with you. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday break. I know we all enjoyed getting to see each other. Uh, we actually got to record a secret little segment all together in person for the first time with a guest, a returning guest. I believe the first returning guest, actually. Is that true? I believe so. Yeah, I think he is the first returning guest. So because we we were supposed to have a, a returning guest a little earlier on, but things yeah. changed last minute. Yeah, so I think he is the first returning guest. We'll let you uh, guess about that until um, you, you get to it. That'll probably be somewhere at the end of the podcast. I haven't decided where I'm going to throw that in yet, but make sure you listen all the way through to catch that. Uh, to kick off the podcast, though, I wanted to talk about some news and storylines going on in the nfl and the biggest one this is a headline today jj watt announced his retirement following this season yeah that one it's going to be weird in the nfl without him i mean i was kind of looking over his his career uh an easy first ballot hall of famer in my opinion uh, I think that kind of goes without saying for everything he's done. But I mean, just thinking of how destructive he's been on that defensive line for really his entire career, it's it's going to be weird being in a league without him. I mean, he's as long as I've been like really following the NFL, he's been a, a big part of that. The dude can still play. He's obviously not his former self, but his former self was the best player in the league at one point. And I'm talking any position like 2013 to 2015 JJ Watt, like that era, I think you can count as some of the most, one of the most dominant stretches. Um, moving on to the, the next bit of news, we've got Nathaniel Hackett uh, getting canned out of Denver. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Was Hackett the problem? Well, he wasn't doing anything to help the situation. I mean, we kind of saw it uh, towards the beginning of the year, especially where there was a lot of play clock issues and timing, and it didn't look like the uh, the offense was running calls that would play to their t uh, weapon strengths. Uh, the The offense just never melded with Russell Wilson. And I don't know if that was a, a Russell Wilson or a Hackett issue right there. But the thing is, the uh, the ownership didn't hire Hackett. He was hired before they purchased the team. And then with Russell Wilson, he was also traded for before they purchased the team. But then they went and signed him to that big contract. So they were kind of a little bit more bought in on Russ than Hackett. So, I mean, it, it kind of made sense looking at it from that perspective. But, you know, I mean, the team has been – just absolutely horrible all year and you've kind of got to blame that on somebody and first year head coach i mean yeah sure you give them a little bit of a leash but what 15 games in and they're still putting up performance like they did against the rams uh on christmas day and someone's got to pay for that yeah uh with hackett i think you know one of the big things is this this ownership group did not hire him and just the results that they've had on the field uh, combined with the talent that they have. I mean, it doesn't add up. So somebody's got to take the blame for that. And that's the head coach, you know, sorry for him, you know, tough situation. One of only, I think five head coaches in the NFL to be fired before their, their first season is complete. Last we saw was uh, last year, actually with Herbert Meyer. <laughs> yep. Uh, but don't let that fool you. <laughs> that's a, that's a rare thing to happen uh, in the NFL. And I think, the main reason is because this roster is built to to win now, uh, and they're not winning now. Yeah, you've got to fire one of you got to get rid of one of two people between one of the best quarterbacks of his generation, who's won a Super Bowl, who you just paid an absurd amount of money to to stay for over half a decade, I believe. The rest of his career, yeah. Yeah. And you have to choose between him or a first year head coach. I think it's obvious which one of those has to go first. You've got to look at the resume of Russell Wilson and say, he's better than this. Um, we can't pin this on him. And if it is him and it's not Hackett, then that's a much 
a more difficult problem to fix and much deeper problem. So yeah, this is the right decision by ownership. And, uh, you know, so that's going to have to improve, but you know, they find ways to win. It's all, it's never really pretty. It's usually ugly. Uh, but you know, that can, that can build a team throughout, throughout the course of the season, you know, tough wins facing adversity. So we'll see what they can do in the playoffs. I've been a big fan of Justin Herbert since, you know, he, he kind of broke out in his rookie year. But what I've seen from him this year has kind of actually dissuaded me, even though, you know, it's finally, they're finally going to the playoffs and everything. I think I was expecting bigger things. And obviously I was expecting bigger things. If you listen to the first couple episodes of the podcast where I had uh, lofty expectations for them. But, I mean, as a team, they've only scored more than 30 points in two weeks, and those were against the Texans and the Browns, and it was 34 and then 30 points. So it's not like they've had any of those, like, big, massive weeks, really. Um, And they're on a three-game win streak. They've won four out of their last five, and in those games, it's really been their defense. The one game they lost, they gave up 27 points, the one before that, which they won, they won 25 to 24. And then the last three games, they've given up 17, 14, and three. And obviously, you better win games where you give up 17, 14, and three. So uh, if you're going to be a playoff team, that is. So I don't know. I I have been less impressed with Justin Herbert than I thought it was going to be. And I'm really happy for him. He's still super young. He's 24, I think. So on the next uh, piece of news, uh, Zach Wilson has been benched and demoted to the QB three, third string QB behind Mike White, the starter, and Joe Flacco, the backup. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. I mean, he got benched for somebody out of the uh, CFL last week. So, I mean, I, obviously you got to see that the team has lost faith in him. His play has been awful every time he's been in the game all year and i mean it's it's time it's not shocking uh the zach wilson experience in the nfl is definitely coming to a close Uh, we might see him as a backup floating around here and there for a little bit but i think that he has kind of lost his chance at, at a starting role for the foreseeable future Yeah, I mean, I think he's lost the locker room. I think he's lost team support. I think he has lost the fan base in New York, which isn't very hard to do in New York. But, you know, he did it pretty quickly. Uh, I remember we were all together last Thursday night, and we were watching this game, and we saw, uh, I think his name is Chris Shreven, maybe? Streven in the game. And uh, we all said, you know, who the hell is that guy? So, I mean, for, for Bob Sala to, to make that switch, you know, that, that tells you all you need to know. And uh, I think, you know, Zach Wilson, I think his time with the Jets is over. I know Robert, Robert Sala, you know, said that, you know, we're going to do everything we can to help him. Well, I think the best thing you could do right now to help him is to trade him away. I mean, <laughs> I think his hopes to succeed in New York, I think they're just over. I don't think there's there's any chance that that he finds success in New York at this stage after everything that's happened. He's been given chance after chance. They've built that offense around him, and he has just dropped the ball over and over again. Um, you know, I think you get what you can for him at this point. And, you know, he's he's a pretty pricey guy, being a second second overall pick at the quarterback position. So, I mean, I say you trade what you can get for him at this point. Maybe, you know, a late-round pick. Because uh, I don't think there's going to be too many teams, based off of what we've seen out of Zach Wilson, that are going to be willing to take on that kind of money. Uh, but I think that's the best option for the Jets. And I think that's the best option for Zach Wilson. It's just, you just got to get him out of that situation. You know, it's over. Yeah, this is why you don't draft a quarterback based on one single throw at their pro day. <laughs> um but yeah uh it's the mike mike white show and uh, we'll see if he can lead him to the playoffs
And uh, speaking of the playoffs, this next section is going to be um, some storylines about the playoffs. Um, there are four divisions that haven't been decided yet and five total playoff spots still remaining. So you can see um, there's quite a few games over the next couple of weeks that matter a whole lot. For this week, I think there's a couple that I'm definitely going to be watching. Um, I'm really going to be watching the Bills versus Bengals game on Monday Night Football. Um, two of the best teams in the NFL right now. The Bills need two wins or a Chiefs law, uh, loss to lock the number one seed. And uh, Cincy is technically not out of it. So if Cincy wins this game, um, they could also potentially get the uh, – number one seed in the AFC. So that's a, that's a big game to watch. Uh, Vikings versus Packers. And this is not just because I'm a Vikings fan. The Vikings still have a chance for the uh, number one seed, especially if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, which is looking like he might, but we'll see. Um, and uh, the Packers really, uh, they need a win to, to make it to the playoffs. They don't technically have to, but um, if they want a, a good shot to make it, they are going to need a win. Uh, the Jets are playing Seattle, and uh, Seattle is ahead of the Lions right now in the standings due to head-to-head. So um, a loss here really hurts uh, their chance to make it, and the Jets need two wins to make it to the playoffs. So there you go, Mike White. Go get you one of those this week against Seattle, who has not looked too great recently. Um, another one I'm really looking forward to watch is Dolphins Patriots. Uh, the AFC um, East could be kind of complete chaos with the Jets, Patriots, and Dolphins all having very similar records. Uh, the Patriots and the Jets both having the same record, and the Dolphins only one game ahead. So a Patriots win kind of just creates chaos. And uh, same thing with the NFC South the Panthers versus the Bucks. If the Panthers win, it's also kind of just creates chaos in that division as well. So we'll see. Uh, those are going to be fun games to watch. So for this, I've compiled a scenario. And this scenario is what I'm hoping for. I've got a $1 bet on it this week. And I'll tell you at the end how much this $1 bet will net me if it hits. These are... This is the best possible scenario if you just want absolute chaos in the playoff or for, for week 18. So I'm going to say it slowly. So listen carefully. You might have to, to rewind. So the, the, these are all the games. Panthers need to beat the Bucks. The Vikings need to beat the Packers. The Saints need to beat the Eagles. The Commanders need to lose to the Browns. The Giants need to lose to the Colts. The Lions need to lose to the Bears. The Jets need to beat the Seahawks. The Patriots need to beat the Dolphins. The Bengals need to beat the Bills. The Chiefs have to lose to the Broncos. The Steelers have to beat the Ravens. And the Titans have to beat the Cowboys. If all of that happens, it will create mass chaos and it will be the most insane week 18 of all time so in that scenario where all those games end up like that the vikings and the eagles will both be 13 and 3 at the top of the nfc the three <laughs> nfc south leaders so that's the bucks the saints and the panthers will all be tied at seven and nine and the saints are playing the panthers in week 18 so that'll be a hell of a game. The NFC six and seven. The six and seven seeds in the NFC would be the Giants at eight, seven, and one, and the Commanders at seven, eight, and one. And the eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve seeds would all be seven and nine. Over in the AFC, the top three teams would all be twelve and four. That's the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. The AFC South would come down to the Jags versus Titans Week 18 matchup. The winner of that would win the AFC South. 
And then the 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 seeds would all be tied at 8 and 7. Absolute chaos. Any ideas? I want to hear your guesses. That's a 12-game parlay. One dollar. Right, just straight up 12 game. 12 game oh, parlay money line. I was going to say 2000. Billy, you are a rounding error off. Well, what actually, I take that back. Two rounding errors off. What is it? 200K. Oh my God. Collectively, they are 50 <laughs> point underdogs. It would be like nice. hitting 12, four and a half point underdogs it's is what i'm betting on basically 12 four and a half point underdogs to all win um, austin this is your uncut gems moment right here a hundred and ninety eight thousand seven hundred fourteen dollars and thirteen cents god i might go put five on it let <laughs> see what happens uh if anyone wants to ride that with me Go to our Twitter. I have I made a post uh, earlier. It's already up as we record. I posted earlier today when I kind of first found this um, with all the teams that are in it. So uh, go pick and choose. And listen, the NFL, they might make it happen. They might listen to this podcast right here. <laughs> Roger Goodell might call up Hockley and say, hey, we need so-and-so to win. Make it happen. So... Hey, we'll see. That would be lovely. That, <laughs> I, I would love for the week 18 games to matter that much. That would be, that would, I mean, it would be insane. You'd have two matchups in division for like winning the division. The Titans Jaguars is guaranteed winner takes all. And that's all. The only thing that needs to happen there is just the Titans to win if the Jags winning or losing doesn't matter at all because the Jags hold the tiebreaker. So as long as the Titans win and the uh, AFC South will be decided in that head-to-head matchup in week 18. So that one's definitely one of the ones I'm looking forward to. And then but just, you've got so many others. Like, I don't, I don't know what I would watch in week 18 besides that. I would say the, the fact of the matter is every single game just about would be for a playoff implication yeah. in week 18. Yeah, it would either be for first round bye or making it into the playoffs. All right, so uh, so Connor, why don't you take us into some of your uh, dynasty trade targets? Yeah, so you know the season might be over, but you know you're you're running a dynasty team, and so you've got to kind of go out and continue to to make some moves throughout the off season that are going to give you a, a good shot to win the next year. You know, some of you might be uh, wrapping up the playoffs right now, but for a lot of us, like everybody uh, on this podcast right now, we're all we're all out of it. So you know, here's some uh, some people that you need to target, trying to get, and some people that you might need to start looking to sell. Uh, so first up, uh, Javante Williams. So I know that the Broncos have been absolutely horrible all year. And he did just tear his ACL in a uh, week four of this season, but you've you've got to understand that this you've got to expect some regression back towards a, a mean for offense. Uh, it's got to recover a little bit. Uh, the fact that they the Broncos released Melvin Gordon, uh, it's also a good sign that the the Broncos do seem to have some faith in Javante. That was kind of one of the worry points coming into the season is. You know, is it still going to be that timeshare? But now that uh, Javante's out, or Javante is going to be the the main back moving forward when he comes back from from his injury, you know, you, you've got to see that as a good sign that they've got a lot of faith in him. He's shown the explosive playmaking ability. You know, just kind of monitor how he's doing with that uh, ACL injury. Next up, I got Zay Jones. And if you have had him the last couple of weeks, you've been really, really happy because uh, him and Trevor Lawrence are connecting at an awesome rate. He's another great one that uh, his his price has gone up a little bit for sure. But uh, since week 10 of this season, he's had double digit targets in all but one game. So, you know, that connection is there and the upside is, is there moving forward with Trevor Lawrence continuing to to grow as a passer and a player. 
uh, this Jacksonville offense is looking really pretty dangerous the last couple weeks. Uh, next, we've got uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, you definitely are going to probably want to move in on him here soon. Uh, most likely, as much as I hate it, his days in Cleveland are, are going to be wrapping up. Uh, it just it is what it is. He's in the last year of his contract. Uh, he's playing like less than 40% of the snaps each week. Uh, current owners are, are not going to be happy with his performance throughout the year. He's just not getting used at all. And, you know, you, you got to look for him to make a move this offseason. And he's got a good potential to land in a good spot. Uh, he's he's only 27 years old right now. He, he's proven that he can be a, a number one de facto running back. He can catch the ball. He can run it well. So you know, this is looking like, uh, you know, a, a good move. So if you can get him, uh, his price is going to be a little bit lower now than it would have earlier on in the season. But uh, you, if you can get him, I'd say move on it quick. And we've got uh, Mike Evans. So with Mike Evans, I, I would say try to buy him pretty low. Uh, I, I don't believe he has caught a touchdown since week four. I didn't update this from from last week's game, so I could be wrong. But he only has four games with double-digit targets. Uh, so as a Mike Evans owner, I've been very upset with the production from him, you know, with Tom Brady coming back, we kind of all expected a lot more from him. And with only one more year on his contract in Tampa Bay and the Bucks likely looking to move on, uh, from, you know, or need a new QB, at least if Tom ends up retiring again, I, I would have to expect that we'll see him kind of bounce back. You know, he's he's still talented. He's still, you know, Mike Evans. He's not – he's 28, 29, I believe. So he, he's not super old either. And, you know, it's it'd be a good move right now. You could probably get him a little cheaper than you normally would, especially, you know, if you wait till closer to the beginning of the season. So my first sell is going to be Austin Eckler. And, yes, he is uh, running back one right now, I believe, and – PPR formats. Uh, he's averaging almost 19 points a game in half point PPR. And, you know, sure, people have been able to produce like this year after year. And Eckler has been doing that for a while, but the receiving core is starting to get depleted. Uh, he, the run offense, like Billy talked about a little early on, has been one of the worst in the leagues the last couple of years. So selling him right now to a team that is close to success and just missed the playoffs, you you can probably get a, a pretty big bundle for him, uh, quite a few picks, maybe another player or two. So, you know, if you've got some other depth at running back, he'd be a, a good op option to go out and kind of sell a little bit on. And then someone that I've been high on all year for my other sell is uh, going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. So I've been, like I said, super high on him all year. He was my hill to die on at wide receiver before the season started. And he is currently wide, wide receiver six. Uh, that being said, he is one of the only big targets on the Lions. And Jamison Williams coming off the injury list. And he made some splashes early on, but his, his targets have gone down uh, the last two weeks. But uh, you got to expect him to regress on a team that uh, it's, it's looking better than it is, truthfully. They're, they're fun to watch, but I don't think that uh, you're going to see the same kind of production from Amon Ra again. You know, this team is, is playing out of their minds. Uh, MCDC's got them just out there ready to run through a brick wall. And I don't think we can really expect the same target share dominance that he's had this season. Uh, I mean, he's got nine or more in almost every game this year. And that's just with Jameson Williams coming off the injury list, having a full offseason to prepare for the team, you know, building that connection, probably adding another wide receiver, uh, working on getting their, their tight ends. And you got to think they've got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams coming out of the backfield. So they, they've got a, a pretty good team with a lot of mouths to feed. I just don't see this continuing on into next season. So those are some of the guys that I think you can probably get for either a good deal or you can sell them for a lot more than they're going to be worth here later on down the road. You guys have any thoughts on any of them? I I see where you're coming from with the Almond Raw. 
take. I just don't know, man. He's so young. Uh, I don't know how much of an impact Jamison Williams will have on him. I mean, he's he's a true number one, right? I mean, I think you look at Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown is still the true number one there, you know? Um, so I think Almond Raw is, is going to have several very good years. I like the Austin Eckler and Mike Evans uh, takes. I think Eckler, you know, as a 27-year-old back, uh, you know, he gets a ton of work. And while he has shown to be durable, you know, we'll, we'll see how long that goes. Zay Jones, I mean, I'm not huge on him. I think he's had a good year. Uh, but I think, you know, the Jags might go after some more offensive weapons this offseason. So, uh, but yeah, I think overall, solid. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking for something. I'll see if we got it. Um, doesn't. Oh. Yeah, Billy, real quick to on that Amin Ra. I'm not saying he's going to be bad in the upcoming season. I'm sure he'll still have some good right, years. Yeah. He is young, like you said, but I just don't think we're going to see this kind of same production level from him. Yeah, I mean, I think we could. I think we could, dude. Over the next, you know, four maybe five years, you know, I think we could see that out of him. But I agree. I mean, you could get a lot for him right now. So it depends on your team needs also. Absolutely. Everything on this list depends on your team needs for sure. Yeah, because depending on when you started your dynasty and when you drafted, uh, well, I guess when everybody would have drafted Almond Raw, but if you started your dynasty league that season, you weren't drafting him as as a wide receiver too likely. So, I mean, you know, he's already returned – his his return on your investment is already above what you expected. Absolutely, I, th- I think he was unclaimed in in our league during the draft. So I mean, he he was a waiver wire pickup yeah. even for us. So for me, Anandra is the most like volatile, I guess, as you would call. It. You'd see the the largest range of. Opinions. You'll see. You'll see a lot of people coming in saying he's a buy. I will buy him. You'll have people saying he's a sell. I would sell him, and that's why for me he is a hold. Um, but any person who's on your hold list, you should either go. You should go make an offer about, and it should be ridiculous. It should be something that you, if you were on the other end of it, wouldn't even think about accepting. And that's kind of how you learn where your league mates, um, how your league mates kind of view these type of guys. And there's there's a world in which your league mates are like, yeah, when Jameson Williams comes, Jameson Williams comes back, um, you know, he'll be the wide receiver two in that. So that'll probably make him like around, you know, wide receiver twenty. So like you could probably get them for really cheap for like one of those kind of guys, but there's also going to be guys who are like, oh, the Lions are going to have, um, you know, a brand new quarterback next year, and um, with Jamison Williams healthy, the offense is even going to be more explosive, and he's going to score all these more touchdowns. And so for one of those guys, you could probably sell him for more than he's worth. So to me, he's he's a hold, but kind of figure out. He's he's just in one of those weird systems where with the Lions, they're performing so far above what everybody expected of them this year that I just don't know if that'll keep up going into next year. He he was the most difficult one. I went back and forth on him, uh, but I figured that, you know, in my opinion, I just don't imagine it keeping up. But again, you know, he he could very well do amazing again next year for several years. I just think that right now his value is as high as it could potentially ever be for him. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, the only other one that I would like to say I disagree with would be Kareem Hunt. I, I think Kareem Hunt's just kind of washed, honestly. I don't really see him getting an opportunity to be a lead back anywhere. I think we'll see him kind of continue to play this role. 
So Kareem Hunt's definitely not someone I'm looking to buy. Um, but the other ones I will all agree with. I think you uh, hit the nail on the head for all, all the other ones, especially uh, Javante. If you can go get Javante, uh, do it. I've actually got a trade offer right now, uh, Ramondre Stevenson for Javante Williams straight up. Um, so we'll see if that goes through. But but yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on Javante. So uh, now that we've kind of got through all those trade targets, uh, we're going to move on to some, some Pro Bowl stuff. Uh, Billy, I know you've been kind of itching to talk about this, so take us in there. No, these are these are definitely the, the top three in the AFC. Uh, I don't even really think it's close. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to give Tua a shout-out for having a good season, but you, you can't replace either of those three with Tua. So. No. No, no one else has really had a season that stood out uh, over that would be over either of those three. The okay, the only person I would uh, again mention, I think, of the FC would be Ramondre Stevenson, who we just talked about. Just had a great year, but I don't think mm-hmm. you can replace any of those three with Ramondre. So happy with the list again. What about Austin Eckler? Mm, yeah. Leads the league in touchdowns. Has been, has been a does. touchdown scoring machine. It's just a lot of his has come off receptions. He's not the most efficient runner, but Mm-mm. he's effective, right? When he yeah. has the ball in his hands, no matter how he gets it. Yeah, he makes things happen, which is what you yeah. want. Yeah. The thing with the AFC backs is we've seen a lot of young guys who looked really good go down, like Brees Hall, Javante Williams, Damian Pierce. Yep. You know, all three of those guys went down, and uh, I think if any of them could have stayed healthy throughout the year, we could be talking about them at this point. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. I think, like Austin said, the two arguments really are Ramondre and uh, Austin Eckler would be my second uh, person for this list. But moving on, fullback Patrick Ricard, great. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill from the Miami Dolphins. Stefan Diggs from the Bills, Devontae Adams from the Raiders, and Jamar Chase of the Bengals. Is there a fourth receiver, or fifth receiver, actually, or a fourth receiver that you would like to see above any of these four? I, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Um, I didn't really, We didn't really go through before and, and kind of make lists or anything, so this is kind of off the – right off the cabeza. Off the dome, yeah. Uh, and I can't – I mean, again, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Tua's, only one I was thinking. Tua has got the spot for the Dolphins, and Tua's been better than than Jalen. So you mean Tyreek? Yeah. What did I say? Oh, I said Tua. Yeah, Tyreek. <laughs> Tua. Yeah. Quentin hasn't had a good a year up to his standards. So I don't know how I feel about him making it. He has been good, but he hasn't been Quentin Nelson good. I think there are a couple other yeah. players. I don't know who at guard though would replace him. I know there's a center that's played really well, Tyler Linderbaum. He's a center for the yeah. Ravens, and he's had Ravens, an yeah. incredible season. And I he's think a rookie, he's right? Yeah, out of Iowa. Yeah, he's been insane. Um, I think if he wasn't a rookie, he'd be getting more consideration. Um, you look for him to to make a few Pro Bowls in his career. I actually, I, I thought of who I want to replace. Um, uh, Quentin Nelson Quentin with Nelson? Michael and Winwu. Uh, from the uh, the Patriots, yeah, he's been good. He's had a really good year. Um, I don't remember all of his stats, but I remember reading something from him um recently from uh, PFF, who uh I th- I think they said he hasn't allowed a single sack this year. So, uh, kudos yeah, to think, him. Yeah, really good job. Especially with a very sackable quarterback. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right, moving on to defense at the DN spot. We have Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, Trey Hendrickson. Any uh, issues there? Uh, no, my my DPOI prediction's in there. That's all I care about. <laughs> all right, moving on to the interior D-line. You have Chris Jones from the Chiefs, Quinton Williams, and Jeffrey Simmons. Quinton is... Quinn is gosh, he is breaking out big time. Yeah. Um right. as long as Quinn's there, I'm I'm happy. Yeah. Uh outside linebacker, you got Matt Judon, Khalil Mack, and TJ Watt. 
who is not a starter, but he's the third guy. Middle linebackers, you have Roquan Smith and C.J. Mosley. Yeah, so moving on to corner, you have Sauce Gardner, the rookie, Pat Sertan, the second-year guy, Marlon Humphrey, and Xavier Howard. What do you guys think about that? I think Sauce absolutely deserves to be the the first one listed there. He's had a ridiculous rookie year. I mean, he's he's been shutting down guys that everybody else is struggling with. It's been it's been absolutely unreal. I'm excited to see him on that Jets team and hopefully them be good eventually. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty good list. I, I do like that Sauce made it, and um, as long as the other insanely good rookie makes it over in the other division, I'll be happy. Oh, and another linebacker I want to mention real quick, Matt Milano from the Bills. He has been a beast this year. And so uh, has Tremaine Edmonds. I think both of those. So has Edmonds, yes. You're you're right. But um yeah, it's just another linebacker I want to mention real quick. Finishing out the AFC roster, you got Mika at free safety, and then Derwin James and Jordan Poyer at the other safety, the strong safety, if you will. Moving on to the NFC roster. Starting off at quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Geno Smith, and Kirk Cousins. It was a tough year for NFC quarterbacks. Uh, you guys have any other, any other quarterbacks you would throw in there into the discussion? I'd like to see Justin Fields in the discussion, uh, mostly because of the emergence of his rushing. I mean, he, he's done incredible. I mean, he's got what already over a thousand yards rushing. So I mean, he's he's been having a great year uh, and so i mean obviously the team has not been doing great but you know he's been passing a lot better too you know as the season goes on so i i'd like to see him in there uh you know all of, it has been a tough year for nfc quarterback so i mean it, i think jalen hurts is the only one that i'd for sure keep on there but i think you can make an argument for, for fields um i mean yeah i think hurt and cousins are are two like you know for sure they've got to make yeah. it with how well their teams have been performing especially um and then a guy I want to mention who hasn't gotten a whole lot of love but has had a really good season is Jared Goff who um is about to pass you know four thousand yards on the season and with a really crazy or really not even that crazy just two touchdowns in each of the next two games uh, could uh, have a thirty uh, four thousand uh, yard and 30 touchdown season, which is pretty damn good if you ask me. So, moving on to running back, we have Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Miles Sanders. So, an NFC East party in the backfield. Yeah, you know, maybe just the best running back probably in the league right now. I mean, he's Christian McCaffrey. I, I don't care what anybody says, he needs to be on the list pretty much every year. I mean, he's over fifteen hundred yards. I, I just I don't know what they were thinking. He got traded from NFC team to NFC team, so it shouldn't have hurt his Pro Bowl stuff at all. And you got to think he's had since he's been traded to the Forty ers who have been having to lean on him even more so with a whole lot of injuries. Uh, he's already run, thrown, and caught touchdowns for them. So he's he's doing it all. He's one of the most complete running backs. I mean, it's it's just absurd that he was left out. Yeah, if you had to pick one snub for the entire uh, Pro Bowl, it's him. And how in the world does Tony Pollard make it in over him? That is just baffling. It's not even close. It's you not like even, to... you can't even make an argument. Like you, there's not a sound argument that it's possible to be made that Tony Pollard should be in over Christian McCaffrey. He's got almost the exact same amount of yards um, rushing and then almost double the receiving yards. So like, right. I don't understand where the disconnect is there. Anyway, moving on to fullback. Connor, could you remind me of the name of the San Francisco 49ers fullback? <laughs> I could not. <laughs> I know it's Kyle. His first hey, name is Kyle. Go. You didn't ask for the last name. <laughs> Kyle does pass the test. Kyle, yeah, Kyle. Kyle, uh, just call him Juice. Yeah, we're on a first name basis. Yeah. Kyle Juice check is the 
He is the fullback out of the NFC. Great. Wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin. Anybody stand out to you as a snub from that from that roster right there? Uh, a guy that we've talked about quite a bit on, on this episode even. Uh, I feel like Amon Ra should have got a nod. He's had a really amazing season. Um. Yeah, I, I think I would have Amon Ra over Terry. Yeah. Moving on to the tight ends. George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson. I don't think there's a ton of debate here. What do you guys think? I can't think of any. I mean, it's... Dallas Goddard would be an option. He was hurt for so long, though. Yeah, he missed five, five in a row. I don't know. I, I think Goddard could definitely have been um, argued, but Hawkinson... Put him over Hawkinson, yeah. But, I mean, if listen, if you're voting now, I think Hawkinson makes it because that week he just had where he just had 109 yards and two touchdowns. So, and then he's just been, yeah. he's been really a, a reception machine since he uh, came to the the Vikings. He hasn't been a, a yardage guy. He's really just been kind of that old school tight end catching, you know, the, just right at the six to get the first down. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the O-line out of the NFC, starting with the tackle spots. You got Trent Williams. Lane Johnson and Tristan Wirfs. Austin, do you think anybody else is deserving? Uh, Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Um, I think Panay Sewell would be the name I'd go with. Yeah. He's the only one with a reception out of those three. <laughs> he did have that amazing <laughs> little catch. It was. It was. He looked like a real athlete there. I mean, he, he is a real athlete, man. Yeah. Uh, moving on to moving on to offensive guard Zach Martin from the Cowboys, Landon Dickerson from the Eagles, and Chris Lindstrom from the Falcons. Uh, you guys got any qualms with that group right there? No, I mean you could almost throw in uh, the Eagles' other guard. Uh, what's his yeah, name? Sumalo. It's uh, something like that. I mean, he's yeah. been. Uh, granted, I, the whole Eagles offensive line could honestly be on this list. They've been playing so well this season; it's been absolutely absurd. Uh, some of the more Eagle, more of the Eagles players on the line. Jason Kelsey is the starting center, and Frank Ragnow of the Lions is the backup center. Moving on to the defense on the defensive end spots. You have Nick Bosa from the 49ers, Brian Burns of the Panthers, and then Demarcus Lawrence with the Cowboys. Interior D lineman, you got Aaron Donald, Jonathan Allen, and Dexter Lawrence. Then you got outside linebacker, possibly the best player in the game right now, Micah Parsons, <laughs> followed by Zadarius Smith from the Vikings, which was a huge offseason pickup. And then Hassan Reddick, another huge offseason pickup. Uh, both those guys have been really good. And, of course, we know what Parsons can do. I think, you know, they got it right there, that outside linebacker. Yeah, I, I like that list. Mark and Mark Parsons, as you said, has an argument to be the best player in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, moving on to the inside linebackers, Fred Warner, who is should come as no surprise, and then Demario Davis from the Saints who's also been very good over the years. Uh, do you guys see any other inside linebackers from the NFC you'd like to see in the Pro Bowl? Um, I think I'm good. I think I'm happy with that yeah. list. I am too. All right, moving on to the cornerback position. This has got some debate surrounding this one. You start off with Darius Slay and Trevon Diggs. Those are the two starters, followed by Tariq Woolen and Jair Alexander. What do you guys think about that group? I know Austin's going to have something to say about this one. <laughs> um, if I if I were the Cowboys, I would trade away Trayvon Diggs in an absolute heartbeat or change him to receiver. He has absolutely no business playing cornerback in the NFL. He is absolutely horrendous. His instincts have got to be the worst instincts I've ever seen play cornerback. His 
ball tracking ability is insane. He's got incredible hands and like quick feet, but his instincts are just awful. And he can't tackle that well either, to be honest. Hot take. All right, wrapping it up with the safeties. You got Quandre Diggs taking the free safety spot. Nabuda Baker and Talanoa Ufanga from the 49ers, who has been fun to watch this year. Um, rounding it out, do you guys see any other safeties uh, that you think are missing from that list? Um, I think I think I like that, actually. I'm, yeah, I'm happy with that list. But anyway, here is uh, Parker to talk about a little World Cup action. What's up, guys? Um, thanks for having me back again. I'm really excited to uh, get into the – to what happened in the final. The final was actually probably the best one I've seen like since watching the World Cup, since I can remember. So just a quick recap, my uh, my predictions were nothing but far, far, Whoa. far, far off. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss, uh, hardcore. I really wanted to see a Ronaldo Messi World Cup, but we ended up actually getting to see France um, come back to the World Cup for their second World Cup in a row after beating Morocco. Uh, two nothing, pretty, pretty, State, yeah, pretty yeah. straightforward game. I mean, th- there was no reason Morocco should have been that far in the first place. But congratulations to Morocco for now being the team to make it the farthest in the World Cup from the continent of Africa. A round of applause to Morocco. Yeah. Woo! We love you. So then we move on. Uh, Argentina pretty much sweeps Croatia uh, 3-0, which Croatia was the team that actually made it to the World Cup, last World Cup with France. So that was not really a given that they'd make it again, but everyone knew that they were a team to be uh, – a force to be reckoned with, if you will. Now we get to the final. Kylian Mbappe, the the young and upcoming, possibly the best soccer player we will see um, after Messi retires and, and until he retires, more than likely. Um, he's looking to be a force. He is really young. He's younger than all, all four of us standing here. The dude was down 2 nothing to the world's greatest, Lionel Messi, in the 81st minute with eight and a half, nine minutes to go. He puts away a penalty kick. 45 seconds later, puts away a goal, ties it up 2-2, takes us to uh, extra time in the World Cup, which is a 30-minute period. Both teams end up scoring a goal. Messi scores first. They come back down. France scores another goal. They go to penalty shootouts. Mbappe scores yeah, too. And that's what I'm saying. Mbappe is just the man. It's, wait, wait, it's he ridiculous. Had he, he had three. Yeah. Messi had two. Does that count as a hat trick still even in, in Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three goals in one game, um, hat trick. And then they go to penalty shootouts, which was absolutely electric. Long story short, Argentina takes it down, and Messi goes down as the best soccer player um, ever now that he's completed the feat of winning a World Cup. So that's super exciting for everyone in Argentina. And I don't know if you guys have seen the videos, but Argentina <laughs> had four estimated 4 million people in one city um, the, the day that they came back from Qatar to arrive at 4 in the morning in Argentina. Everyone was there. 4 million and something people were there. Um, in the same city, but that pretty much wraps up the World Cup uh, going forward until we get to 2026 here in the United States. I heard that Messi had to be airlifted out of, I believe, probably Buenos Aires during the celebration because there were so many people swarming their bus or platform, whatever they were on, that he had to get airlifted out of there by a helicopter because there was no way he was getting out of there. I saw a meme. I don't know how true it was. I saw a video and then, like, a little report under it and it was and like i said i don't know how true it was but Messi was arriving to his home and he reportedly had over ten thousand people waiting outside of his address wow that's not but like like imagine lebron like that shows you how big Messi is as an athlete like no one with ten thousand people would never go wait outside of lebron james's house even after winning an nba final yeah crazy yeah that is that is wild so uh congrats to argentina Congrats to Messi. Morocco gets a round of applause. Argentina gets a round of okay, applause. Okay, yeah, 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 round of applause. Yeah. And uh, and to Mbappe, who apparently is uh, just yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> insane. Like, yeah. And so France, I guess, is set up. They went so they went to it last year or four years ago. Last, uh, well, yeah, last last, World, last Cup, World, yeah. World Cup. Excuse me. Uh, so do you think they're they, they won it last World Cup, didn't they? Do I think they'll do it again? Do you think they're going to make a three-peat of going to it? Like, do you think uh, like, it wouldn't be a shocker. So uh, who 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 else would you have? Like who are your Brazil, top Brazil, four? For sure. in Brazil, next? always a powerhouse. Germany, mm-hmm. they haven't been um, past the group stage the last three World Cups. I expect them to have some sort of youth coming up. Mm-hmm. So I say Germany, 
I'm going to take a strong take here and say Italy comes back after not making the World Cup. I say Italy comes back and is a strong contender next World Cup. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah, I say those three with England, of course. England's a, a powerhouse and as well. And France included. In, in France. And then I honestly don't see Argentina being as good just because Messi's, Messi's leaving. But they Dude, have a really good team. Too. Yeah, they have a really good team. So it really just depends on who comes back. Um, and uh, No, Mexico? No, no, Mexico. Mexico, <laughs> Mexico is going to be an issue for the next two World Cups. So NA is just kind of shot. Just no. Does Canada have a good team? No. no. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> so, so would you say the U.S. is the, the best chance for North America? I like home field advantage. I don't know about you guys. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Maybe uh, yeah, we're gonna maybe, be calling it soccer over here the whole the whole tournament. We got a shot. Maybe we can uh, just hire all of Bill's mafia to <laughs> show up for the for the World Cup, and uh, that'll be some good bad. You know, if we were smart, we'd honestly just hire somebody like I don't know Tyreek Hill to just dribble, learn how to dribble <laughs> soccer ball, and tell him, "Hey, you run from here to here, and you kick it in there." And he'd probably be the fastest player in all of soccer. Yeah. <laughs> we also just need that one Browns fan. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> along with Bill's mafia. Yes. And uh, we would have a complete – I mean, we would be just as crazy as all the, the soccer fans over in across the pond or if, wherever they are. If we can pivot again, if we can move the the World Cup to winter again and just have all the fans throwing snowballs like they did in the <laughs> Buffalo-Miami game, that could be a huge home field. close. <laughs> that could be a huge home field. Would they just start giving red cards out to, like, Pulisic and everybody? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I'm really excited about this World Cup. There will be beer. Yeah, there, right there, there will be beer, bro. And where there where there is beer, there are wild they, fans. They better allow some huge, those huge beer cups, snakes. No, the snakes oh, that like yes. the fans make oh. with all the empty cups. I want to see. see I want to see somebody beer balling out of a vuvuzela. Like, <laughs> there was one. There was one. Uh, one more team that deserves a round of applause, and it wasn't because of play, or because of foul play, because England. For the first time since 1930, did not have a fan arrested at the World Cup. Wow! Let's go. <laughs> Shout out to the Brits. I think that follows the whole no beer thing, in my opinion. I think if oh, there's, there's plenty no of beer 100%. there. I think if there's beer there, it's it's not even close. I say that they have one of the top um, fan bases with people arrested. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, good luck to everybody in their fantasy uh, championships coming up in the next week or two, and uh, we will catch y'all next time. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everybody.